Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzow. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. I'm your host, John Fahey. Joining me as ever, prettiest boy under the sun, the pinnacle of perversion, an absolutely gorgeous young man. His name, Aaron Joseph Pita. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm a hypervert, and I'm happy to be here. Aaron, you look great. Thank you so much. You look great. Everyone looks great. Everyone looks great. Matt. Matt Brousseau. He's just wetting his whistle with a little uh, French sparkling water. Celestial yes, King. Hi, hi, Matt yes, Brousseau. Hi. Consummate hi. good boy. Matt Brousseau. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us once again. My favorite stand-up in Los Angeles. Hands down. Hands up. <laughs> hands, or, uh, hands together. Hands in your pockets, perverts. <laughs> yeah. Laura whoa, whoa, whoa. Crawford's here. Hello, all hands on deck. Yeah. Oh. Yes, well, well. happy to be back. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> yes, yes, this is the second show on the Starburns Network. We are very grateful to be here. Party thank, congrats. Thank you for your help, Laura. Thank you. Yes, no uh, we uh, we do have a uh, a brand new uh, Patreon only episode for subscribers. If uh, you want to support us and the show, you can join the Patreon. Get an entire different set of programs mm-hmm. if you like this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our last one was uh, about Canadian stunt daredevils, uh, and uh, it was very well received. Oh. Uh, a lot Wonderful. of fun in there. No, Ooh. no risk in that episode. Yeah. Only reward. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. C- Canadian Ken Carter and his uh, his flight to the moon, basically, uh-huh. or, or lack thereof. And we also got some of uh, Lucky Teeter. Yes. First, first American stunt driver. Yeah. <clears throat> Driving tanks. Tanks. Basically. Yeah. Like just the heaviest cars imaginable. Just yeah. rolling and... them, wearing nothing but a cantaloupe. On his head. <laughs> uh, well, I got my helmet on. No, you don't. You have wrapped it in gauze. So How did he die? Well, you can guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Figure it out. Um, and listen to the show. And subscribe. And, yes. Um, I uh, I think we have uh, a, a still uh, some great episodes coming up here. I am going to be doing one for you, Aaron, that I cannot... One for me? Yes, I cannot wait uh. to throw this one at you. It is straight up... Um, Batman villain territory. No. Yes. I love I mean, actual, it. realistically, Batman villain territory. Oh, it's a calendar man. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's got his whole year planned. <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> <laughs> and on Thursday? Um, yeah, so uh, a lot of uh, exciting weirdos to talk about in the future, but for right now, Laura... Hi, welcome. You have... <laughs> I'm saying welcome to myself. Yes. Hi, I am welcome. Here I come. I am welcome to be talking. Oh. Yes. Uh, you have a, a, a very uh, uh, mischievous young fellow to tell us about. Yeah, it was funny. When I was reading, like going back through episodes, I realized you guys don't really profile like comedians. It's funny because you know, you're all stand-up comedians, but don't Thank really you. like... <laughs> Fuck you, Dad! Yeah. <laughs> All great stand-up comedians. I say no, yeah. nothing about the quality. But, um, but, you know, the show is like, it's a very funny show. But you don't really, I feel like this is the first person who could be considered like a comedian that we've profile on this. I, am I wrong? Yeah, I would, uh, say, I would say this guy also kind of veers into something like we've done before with Chris, Chris Burden yeah. on the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Where it's very it's much a performance art. Performance art, sort of pranky, sort of just doing like a societal experiment to see 
people's reaction. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought 120 Days of Sodom was pretty funny. <laughs> it had its moments, yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, that whole farting stuff. And, right, uh, yeah. The murderer and the torture was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a, the agony of a really children. great A lot of people satire. getting slapped with sticks. Yeah. yeah. So, John, you have some idea what's coming up. Then. I do, I do yeah. have a little bit of an idea. We talked about it a little bit, yeah. Because, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you, uh, usually, uh, and in this case still, two people in the dark. at least have no idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Well, John yes. still has well, no clue <laughs> in general. Good point. Well, I know, about I know about some of this man's work, but Laura definitely has uh, the whole lowdown and many surprises. Ooh. Yeah. So I wanted to cover today Alan Abel, Alan, Alan Irwin Abel, you may or may not have heard of this guy. He's an American. He's a hoaxer. He's a writer. He's a filmmaker and uh, also a self-help kind of guru writer. And uh, Alan Abel Alan is a self-help Abel. writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. as, as part of Great. one of his careers. Wonderful. And uh, but he's most famous for orchestrating pretty much starting in like the early 1950s through the mid 2010s media hoaxes and creating what you would call a media circus. Ah. And um, he's just, his life in his career is unbelievable in its scope and his success is huh. just, it's it's pretty thrilling stuff. So when you say like media hoaxer, we live in an area, you know, obviously people talk about fake news all the time where people sharing stories that they you know, thought were fake, but his main crux of his work was to instigate stories and sell them to the press and the media as if they were real and get them to fall for it and dupe them. And this was from magazines through newspapers and TV and beyond into film. So he's, um, Helen Abel, it's funny because so the way that I got introduced to him was his daughter Jenny made a movie called Abel Raising Cain, which is a documentary <laughs> that nice. came out, I think it was like 2004, and it got into a slam dance festival, it got into a couple small festivals. But it was really her looking back on what her dad's career has been as her parents were in their 80s and living in a, having to be move out of their home in Connecticut. Uh-huh. And what he had chosen to do over the course of his life and what his mom, her mom had chosen to do also, that they were, you know, at this point living very meager means. And yeah. she's like, but what has he done in his kind of a contrib- contribution to the national media circus? At the end of the day, my dear, my Greatest hoax was you. <laughs> <laughs> Get some big fish shit going on. <laughs> oh, be beautiful. I hated that movie. I just had a kid in my high school die of a brain aneurysm and everyone was crying over big fish and I fucking hated it. Huh. <laughs> I know. So Alan Abel was born in 1924 right. in Coshocton, Ohio. Uh, he, the Abels were one of seven Jewish families in the town, mm-hmm. and it was a nice Main Street town. It was they were known for pottery and shit like that. But um, he had an interesting set of the parents. The town was known for pottery, <laughs> yeah, and, and shit like that. Shit like that, you know. <laughs> interesting, interesting set of parents. His mom Ida was, you know, a larger American Jewish woman, and she played the piano at the silent movie theater, and she wrote book reviews. And he said that she pissed off everybody in town by being extremely opinionated. And aggressive, mm-hmm. and uh, let and everyone Jewish. know what they thought of her. I'm Jewish, so a loud Jew broad, you might say. Right. <laughs> in, the, in, in the middle of in uh, the Kashakton. Kashakton. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Ohio. And yeah. uh, the oh, best, the man. best story about his mother is uh, he's talking about how when he was growing up, they lived next door to this like old Jewish uh, German woman, rather sorry, old German woman who was like a 65 year old German refugee, and she took in laundry and stuff like that. And she had a giant portrait of Hitler in her house. Whoa. And the Abels could see it from their living room. And this is in 19- the 30s. 30s. Oh, so right. 30s. Hey, what was she running from? 
Yeah, what was she? No, no, she had. I don't know when she had immigrated, but she oh. was a refugee. She had just, oh, maybe you World know, moved War One. It could have been that or something like that. Yeah, yeah. she sees this Hitler guy. Sure. He's oh. up to some good stuff. Oh, I wish All I right. stayed. Wow, he's turning it yeah. around, making Germany great again. Yeah, yeah, like you do. So his mother Ida, she goes over to the neighbor and she says, "Hey, um, could you take that down? Because <laughs> I can see it in my living room. Can you take that hit portrait down?" She said, "No, no, Hitler. He's a very good man. He's a very good guy." The mother knew what she was, she knew what was going on with the concentration camps and all that. So his mother calls up the FBI field office in Cleveland <laughs> and she says that she suspects there's a German spy next door. Oh my lord. So he's like a kid. What's in, in the, the pots? <laughs> What's in those pots she's making? I know. Laundry or gas chamber. He's we a, don't know. He's a Buddhist pottery. <laughs> so two carloads full of FBI agents show up at this old lady's house. And they drag her out with guns drawn, and she oh just got her hands in the air, and she's interrogated for like two days, and oh then she's my brought back. God. So Alan Abel's like, "Holy shit! This is the amount of mayhem that you can make with like an anonymous call to like a government agent." She yeah. swatted. She her. swatted. Yeah. 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 She, she didn't have to do any funny voices or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> she was. Yeah. So she was like a serious bitch. Uh, his father was like a Lithuanian immigrant, and he had a store and. Uh, he was like a real mild-mannered guy. It's weird because so Alan Abel is sort of like almost like a Sasha Baron Cohen type of figure in his work. But like he always describes his personality. He's like, oh, I'm a really good guy. I don't get upset about anything. I'm really even. I'm a quiet person. And his dad had a general store and he would do things. He would put up a sign that said limit two to a customer in front of things that weren't selling in the store. <laughs> nice. 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 And he's like, they'd be gone in a minute and shit like that. So he's just like, nice. he's a very, he says, he always says, oh, I was a very nice young boy. He's like, other little boys would tease the little girls. I wouldn't do that. They would use dirty words. I would never do that sort of thing. But um, he starts playing the drums when he's eight. And uh, then he starts winning all these national drumming competitions, gets lessons. And by the time he's a teenager, he's like an amazing drummer. And uh, so much so that like right when he graduates, World War II is on. So, you know, he pretty much automatically enlisted. As soon as he enlisted, he gets into um, Glenn Miller's Air Force Band. Wow. He's a drummer. Because... Uh, toughest gig in the, <laughs> in the army. <laughs> I know, but they just threw him in there. He's an 18-year-old, and he had never been a professional musician before, but he was just like that great. Meanwhile, but, um... Woody Guthrie's on a Merchant Marine ship. <laughs> <laughs> He's peeling Making potatoes stew. on a tanker in Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Song about your life for a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> These Jewish jazz musicians are kind of made in the shade, I tell you. <laughs> The Air, the Air Force Band. Wow. Glenn Miller. But this is fucking crazy. I realize like Glenn Miller scored 17 number one records and 59 top 10 hits, which is more than Elvis and the Beatles. Good God. I had no fucking clue. And he, 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 when you say he scored these hits, they're... They're all his hits on songs. On the the, like he was record. a producer. He was the Dr. Dre. No, he was the musician. The, the, uh, he was making the song. Listen, Dr. Dre... Is <laughs> no, 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 but he's, he's, he's a medical, he's, he's saying, a physician. Did, did he write them? Is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, they're all his compositions. Uh, Very we're working words with and music, words and music, uh -huh. both. But uh, so then he gets into his college career. Uh, Alan Abel goes to Ohio State University studying education. But his big contribution to school is he starts this thing called the Jazz Forum. So it's a weekly show that's supposed to be a jam session for all the musicians that are on campus. But he starts being like the MC of the show and uh -huh. he's drumming. And he was talking a little bit and kind of being kind of funny. Mm. And through this, people start coming to the show en masse. And they sell out the whole auditorium. You got to hear you know, this drummer talk. <laughs> I know, yeah. this guy. He's a funny guy. Well, that's he's that's a funny guy. Richard Pryor with the piano. Yeah, yeah. No. They're or, like, hey, do more of the, uh, yeah. the talking. Um, yeah. But the crazy thing about comedians and drums is I got a list of it. 
The amount of comedians who are drunk, very exhaustive. Jeremy Piven, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, obviously Fred Armisen, Armisen, Johnny Carson, uh, Fred, uh, I was going to say Fred Armisen again, but uh, Will Ferrell. um, Interesting. No, no, that's the guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers who looks (laughs) like Dana Carvey. Dan yeah. Harvey's yeah. very good. Yeah. Peter yeah. Sellers. Oh. Wow. Uh, there, I, I got a whole list, but. Well, you got to is... be able to improvise while also maintaining a rhythm and structure. And you got to be a bit of a wild man. Yeah, yeah. I the, the, there was I mean like you know when I was in a There's band a logic. there was There's a lot of there. talk about how the dr- the drummer was usually a strange cat. Yeah. That's what I always a- hear. Almost universally, they were like. Hard to figure out. An ADHD kind of spaz. Yeah, and very much, you know, uh, to the beat of their own, etc. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, actually, yeah. like, really, yeah. like, they have Episode an idea. Title, to the beat of their own, etc. <laughs> they, have, they have an idea of what they want to do, and nobody else does, but they're clearly on that path, and you're yeah. like, what's up with that, And dude? you all gotta stick with it. Yeah. Plus, they have to carry all that shit around. Oh, yeah, you can't just show up to a party with a drum kit like, you have, like you're the, a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Right. Guitarist. Just start screwing in hi-hats. <laughs> yeah. I'll be minute. ready in a minute later. Yeah, no one's falling in love with a drummer in, wow. in a, around a campfire. <laughs> well, maybe if you had a little bongo. Yeah. You tease a little bongo, a little fingertip action. Tease a bongo. Oh, it's real soft bongo. Ooh, the way he teased that... <laughs> that Outstretched skin. <laughs> huh? You should be in jail. you have finger that drum. Homeless. Wait, you, you should be homeless. Wait, you teased that bongo. Bongo, oh, go, go. Uh, so, Some kids teased the bongo in school. I never used 30 words. I grew up in Boston. You know, they were calling people bongo. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, the bongo used to tease me. <laughs> oh, frick. Oh, frick? <laughs> what the frick? I'm dying. Uh, so once he had to do this presentation, all these freshmen, and uh, there happened to be an agent in the audience, and he screws up because he just he walks to the edge of the stage, and he just fell off into the orchestra pit, and then you know the audience just burst out laughing. So then, like soon, it's like after that, they're like, "This guy's hilarious." No, oh. so, so, I mean, how easy? Yeah. Chevy in Chase 50s, made a career out yeah, of falling. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been falling ever since. Oh, and you know what? Falling from grace. It's every bit as funny today as it was then. Mm-hmm. Falling I is funny. More. When he was in community, yeah, and he had the braces on, and he was fall. I was dying. It was too perfect. Falling's funny. It's falling, always funny. Yeah. Mo- always falling hilarious. down, hilarious. Great. Oh, oh my God. Hey, Joel Schumacher. Is that being serious? It's, yeah, it's Joel, serious Joel Schumacher. Oh, no wonder it's a nightmare. Joel Schumacher sans nipples. <laughs> Oh man, it's a it's a genreless movie. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's, it's a pointless, aimless, uh, directionless movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, but dope. The best, <laughs> the best, crazy. Yeah. I could I could watch Michael Douglas demand meals at any time of day. <laughs> yeah, was a, a Michael <laughs> Douglas in horn rim glasses with a flat top and a Mormon white T shirt or button yeah, hat. I mean they had this guy go completely sideways insane and had the audience going, but I know what he's saying. <laughs> but the four at the same time, the four hundred five is a nightmare. <laughs> says the guy from New York. I want to level up our weapons. <laughs> So after this day with this agent, the guy comes up to him and he's like, I'll give you $50 to play at this club the following week, which is like $500 today in this money. Oh. So 
with them. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sister's like, I'll give you $50 to go play this club, kid. I like your drumming and your falling over and <laughs> right. your, your sticks and your, your Hebrew nationality. <laughs> uh, so he starts doing, so he starts developing this character Hot called... Hot dog! Hot dog! <laughs> Skinless, I'll be Franks. So he starts developing this act where he's this guy called Professor Paradiddle. So he explains the history of drumming in the world, which it's a funny routine even when you watch it today. Huh. So he'll be like, he'll be like, you know, in the beginning of time, and he's drumming a little bit. He's like, with communication, you know, people would use drums to talk to each other over long distances. So you play out a little beat, and maybe that means, hey, Susan, how's it going? <laughs> just, you know, it's that kind of like almost yeah. like a, what is it, the um, million year old man? What is the Oh yeah, Mel Brooks act. Right, yeah, it's yeah, it's, 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 it's kind, kind of, of like the like whatever the the fucking the Poconos type comedian. Yeah, it's or whatever, a bit like... borscht belty. It's a bit kind of silly, but also a bit yeah, you know, Catskills, Vaudeville, etc. Red Skelton. Yes, it's very, but it's but he gets to tour over colleges doing this act because he's like 18, 19 years old. So he gets to tour colleges and play shows, and kids don't think it's you know generally funny, but it's kind of the same act all the time. So he yeah. gets in an argument with his agent, and like he got on TV doing it. Like uh, there was like an NBC show with Jean- Grace Kelly that he got on. Grace Kelly, is it Grace Kelly? Yeah, yeah. Wow, very nice. Yeah. Princess Grace. Princess died in a car crash. Uh, mysterious. Did she die in a car crash? Yeah, she Just fucking like... drove over in Monaco. You know, and uh, uh, I know Mon- she was the princess of Monaco. Yeah, yeah. she just drove off. Yeah, she just drove off a fucking cliff. Oh, it's an island. Oh, you gotta be careful. She, she probably wanted to get out of that roads. loveless relationship. She probably wanted to get away from that paparazzi. She yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a tunnel. Tale as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> Song as old as rhyme. Princess Diana was murdered. Um, <laughs> you ever no. been to Monaco? No. It sounded like a hymn. Princess Diana was murdered. That great Anglican hymn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the whole thing with him in comedy is interesting because he's basically like, he could never find a way to make it like his full time career. Huh. You know? I don't know I what that's like. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just says he's like, I didn't really know how to break into the industry. I didn't really know how that worked. I didn't know how to build momentum off of this. So he takes a bunch of like shitty jobs and he gets married to Jean, who's his wife, Jean Abel, and she's just like a waspy college student girl. Uh, but they're living together in um, Connecticut and he's commuting in and he. Um, Commuting into New York City. He's commuting into New York to work at, like, shitty offices. He works, like, one day as a liquid fertilizer salesman and gets fired. He gets fired from AAA because he sent someone on an unnecessarily long route just for fun. Trip- oh, he's yeah. started AAA around since the 40s, huh? He started, yeah, he started, started yeah. AAA. playing games with them. Yeah, though. he started playing oh, around. Oh, he was you're going like, to have to make a couple, like, three right turns. <laughs> yeah. Make another right turn. Right. It says four. Right. Yeah, you'll get that. That's very Take a funny. Take Kahunga. Well, um, what was he, who, how was he give? how does AAA work back then? You draw routes for people. Like, someone comes in, they say, I want to go here, and you look up a route, and you mark and it on the map. And they draw it down. Okay. And they write it all down for no, you. No, no. Do you mean for the guy with the broken down car? Yeah. <laughs> it's like how does AAA work? Yeah, I've well, never you, used it. You don't press a button on your OnStar or whatever. You <laughs> no, know? no, no, no. You, yeah. you walk to a diner, uh-huh. and then you call your cousin... Who might know somebody with AAA? <laughs> yeah. That's basically how it works. Thomas That's guide, you know Thomas and his guide. Yeah, it's like that. The tank engine. Thomas guide. Thomas oh. guide. <laughs> you know Thomas guide. Yeah. So he's working for AAA. Huh? So he gets fired. It's from like AAA, AAA, but in your uh, in the in your seat back. Yeah. Mm. So he gets fired from AAA. So basically, at this point in his career, he's doing these different gigs, touring a little bit, working shitty jobs, and he hates his life, and. Uh, he was basically he was driving one day in Texas and he reaches this traffic jam. He's like selling stuff and he reaches a traffic jam and he realizes the cause of the traffic jam 
is there's two cows having sex in the middle of the street. Very nice. And he's looking around at everybody. He's looking at people's, like, <laughs> shocked and horrified expressions. If only. And yeah, I know. And he's just seeing this overt just display of animal sex <laughs> and everyone, just disrupting everyone's life. And he's watching. He's just thinking about people's... This overt display of <laughs> animal <laughs> sex. Well, it's overt because it's shut down commerce. Yeah, people are like, covert people, animal people sex. People are like, I have, I have. And the cow's like, I don't understand <laughs> capitalism. I just need this now. Get a field, you two. Exactly. <laughs> the whole thing used to be a field. That's where my parents <laughs> my parents could see me and their parents before them. <laughs> but this is all in a series of moves. Of course. <laughs> oh. While being filled by And instinctual utterances. Yeah. So, so utterances. Utterances. Very good, Aaron. Very, very good. Intentional or not, I don't totally give a fuck. Unintentional. Oh, I love it. Um, but you so guys are smarter, so good. So he sees this happen and he's sort of thinking about people's reactions because people are hanging their heads, refusing to look at it. People are getting angry. Like, are they done yet? Type yeah. of thing? Like, yeah. oh, no, they were like, how do they, how, like, they <laughs> were <that> outraged. I <laughs> got milk. They were outraged. So he goes home and he writes this satirical letter to the Saturday Evening Post. And within it, he thinks it's very obviously satire. And he wants, says he wants to create this fictitious organization that, or he represents it called the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. Oh, very Which good. there's a clue in the name there. Which is a society for indecency <laughs> to naked yes. animals. Which it seemed like it's proposing you'd be indecent yes. to a yes. naked animal. You have sex in front of the cow. Yeah. <laughs> like you rape a naked animal. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, you... I don't know if you know this, but if a uh, 15-ton blue whale <laughs> lets you penetrate it... Yeah. We talked about this on the last yeah, episode. John McAfee said You better it. believe it's consensual. Yeah. Yeah, if the a cow could swipe out an armada or whatever, right? This is yeah. the tweet from McAfee. Well, I mean, a dog could bite your dick off anytime it wants. No, McAfee throws this thing out there about how all human whale sex is consensual, and it's like, oh my God. what are you talking about, what? John? Man, he tweets Can you go it back out to last murdering week? your neighbors. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you go back to getting shit in the mouth? Through <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please go put that turd bag in your mouth. <laughs> Burp. <laughs> go get under your. Uh, Hammock. I feel like people are more outraged about the poop of that movie yep. than the murder. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Uh, See the, murder all the time. But the aim of this group <laughs> is to clothe all naked animals in the name of morality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so morality. a few weeks later, he gets a letter from the editor which rejected the piece and he says that he finds the aims of this group deplorable. And uh, so Alan Abel just thinks, like, oh, they. They thought it was real. Yeah, they he, took it seriously. He never really considered that people would think, not understand that it was satirical in nature. But no one did. So basically, he and his wife, Jean, they were friends with Buck Henry, which you might know, who is, uh, used to have the record for the most Saturday Night Live hosting experiences, uh, posting roles, uh, wrote The Graduate, you know, director, ah, okay. filmmaker, okay. all this I was thinking of Buck Angel. <laughs> yes. Also, r- world record holder. Yes. I know. Yes. Man with a pussy. Mm-hmm. I love him. Pussy with a man. Great Howard Stern. He calls himself Trampa now. Trampa? (laughs) Because he's old? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's great. Oh, my God. Maybe we can get him on the phone. I love him. That's a dude a gash. (laughs) A Gus with a gash, you could say. So, uh, So he enlists Henry to be the group, Buck Henry to be the group's president, 
uh, who's called G. Clifford Prude, and then he says that he'll be the vice president. So basically they send out um, these leaflets and stuff to talk shows and newspapers, and it's about basically press materials, and it just says the they copy all the rhetoric of conservative moralists, and they say each one has a horse on it with pants, and then it says... A nude horse is a rude horse. Ah, yes. Is amongst um, some of their campaigns and slogans. Is a lewd horse. A lewd horse. Yeah. But they had all these kinds of debates over how large an animal would be that would need to wear pants. I think it said over over six inches. The animal in general? Yes. If the animal is more than six inches long or eight inches high, it must be clothed. Okay. (laughs) Rats. That's very good. Rats, of course. So they specify. The dimensions that would require. Is any good bureaucratic organization? Uh Right. So a squirrel might make it with the tail. Yes. Right. right, Very good. Yes. He would say, uh, decency today means morality tomorrow. So they would say (laughs) stuff like that. So they got on, actually, they got on The Tonight Show. This sounds like PETA today. The CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite and they, uh, him and his wife Jean would go up picketing the White House and pleading with the Kennedys to cover their horses' genitals. Oh, and um, the problem was and so this continued Please. cover up these horses! Oh, good we Lord. can't resist them! Jackie! Oh, look at it, Jackie. it's so big! Look at my wife, she's freaking the fuck out! <laughs> Cover that giant horse cock with some leather pants. Made <laughs> <laughs> of horse like, skin. Not on my watch. I, I don't know about this. I love watching the Invite freedom of that horse. horse. my next party with <laughs> Marilyn and Bobby. Nick Van Eyen horse cock. Nick Van Ask not what you can do for your horse cock, but what your horse's cock can do for you. <laughs> Um, oh, the depraved but... Kennedys. <laughs> Beautiful boys, all of them. Gotta love those teeth like gravestones. Um... Those teeth like <laughs> gravestones? Jesus. Gorgeous teeth. Uh, so one of the issues, though, so it's like 59, 1959, 1960, the group's like the height of their popularity. But the problem, of course, is so they're on the Today Show 1959. Buck Henry comes in the show and um, they get 50,000 letters from people wanting to be members. Oh, because again, 50, again 50, people don't understand that it's satire. Yeah, yeah, they really don't get it at all. Right. Um, I mean, probably by then, too, you also have like a, the, the the large amount of conservatives that feel like society is in decline. Yeah. And but it's also the authoritative, na- authoritative nature of news and everything. It's a three-network system. So if you're on one of those three networks, you're getting You like, should be there. You're getting 30% right. well, of the they're viewership. They're there for a reason. Right. Yeah. You did say they, w- they were on Walter uh, Cronkite. They were on The Tonight Show, The Today Show, and the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Oh, that's all, well, all the entire day. All Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Walter yeah. Cronkite, he, oh my God. Okay, so, oh. the, the, so, so they get all these checks in and they have people, people will do parades for this group that they don't even organize. They don't even know about. <laughs> Other people started doing parades for them. And he got a check from a woman in Santa Barbara who wanted to give him $40,000 and he had to turn it down. Oh, He, he sent sh- it back to her. This is in 1959. Oh my God. Oh my God. And people read him in passion letters about how, it's that sort of I thing where they were like. I once saw horse cock when I was 12. It changed my life forever. <laughs> exactly. They were yeah. like, so that's here's been 40 bothering grand. 
me for years. Everyone was just standing there like, I'm glad someone's finally bringing this up. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the public's reaction. I'm glad someone's glad finally <laughs> bringing up <laughs> giant mule dick. I'm, I see my dog's dick every day. <laughs> and I can't resist it. I don't need the temptation. <laughs> I, I have see... a great game. <laughs> Stop. You're just you're Fucks what you're up. not remembering <laughs> is all the juicy cow and horse pussy. Oh, <laughs> wow. also the vaginas and chicken oh. cloacas. Speaking yeah. of Patreon, or think about all the like when you well have a covered. dog that's given multiple litters of puppies, get those sagging dog tits. Oof, oh, yeah. like eight of them, too. eight of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, outrageous. that's like four dog bikinis. What is this Woodstock? <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, Snoopy was the dog. Woodstock was the bird. <laughs> Woodstock should be wearing a sock cock. <laughs> wait, wait, John, you, you bring up a, a decent and possibly good point. Indecent. Indecent always, man. But so Woodstock is like the height of the you know, this free love yes. movement. And so there's all of these conservatives who are like these kids are getting out of control. Yeah. yeah. We got to stop sex everywhere. Well, right, right. Yes. Right, yeah, the pushback. The and then the pill comes out. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Fuck you. Pill for animals. Yeah. No brassiere. <laughs> I don't like my cat's tits. <laughs> <laughs> we fought the battle against cat tits in the early 60s, so we would have to the cats. It would have to do with the my humans. My daughter out of here <laughs> dragging these things around. <laughs> if she'd see me make an example of uh, the family dog, she wouldn't know what's what. We need people cucked like our president. <laughs> We need to put shirts on these pussies' tits before the before the end of my administration. We'll put a horse cock right on the moon. Not for the end. Not of the a second. horse, but the cock <laughs> only. Chop it off. In fact, make it shaped like one. <laughs> So you they know we the were ship. there. That's why the ship is all shaped like a horse yeah. Exactly. So this goes on to 1962. They make like their last big media appearance. This is like three years. He goes, uh, they go back on CBS News with Walter Cronkite. Good God. <laughs> yeah, does Walter like three not years. get it? Cronkite's he doesn't. Like, I've so, been covering this story for three he, years. Buck Henry's on TV Jesus. playing a ukulele, singing their, the group's marching song, and a crew member recognized him from something he had seen him in before. Oh, and so after the show wraps up, the employee goes and confronts Henry, and he admits that it's a hoax. And hey, then... weren't you at that uh, Eyes Wide Shut uh, orgy? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I saw you, and it's probably like, I saw you in a commercial for cat food last November. Um, so fucking... Uh, Holy clothed, yeah. of course. Ellen Abel was saying, he was like, when Cronkite eventually found out that he'd been conned, and I was the guy behind it, he called me up, and he said... I never heard him that angry on TV. Not about Hitler, Saddam Hussein, or Fidel Castro. He was furious with me. Of course! Because even after that, he's the most trusted man in the country forever through Vietnam and fucking shit. Meanwhile, he's got these jackasses talking about dressing up horse cops. And he's like, hmm? Yes. Now we're going to hear from the Society for Indecency to Animals. What? Walter, I mean, the joke is in the name. Walter, come on. (laughs) Yes. They just don't get it. Uh, So basically after that. I'm going to say here, Walter Cronkite was a shill. (laughs) Fuck him. A stuffed shirt. At least Brian Williams had the honesty to (laughs) lie to me to my face. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Don't be sorry. You should never be sorry. about that. It's an insincere sorry. It's 
yeah, I don't know if you know. Sometimes uh, satire is lost on the general populace. <laughs> yeah, but um, the Jeez. the weird the problem with this though even is so Time Magazine does a story exposing it, <sighs> and then the support did not wane after the hoax was revealed. Of course not. No. This is America, what? damn it. Mueller report drops. Trump's popularity is going to skyrocket. Yeah. You want to hear the Cinna marching song? Yes. High on the wings of Cinna, we fight for the future now. I forget what the melody is making it. Let's clothe every pet and animal, whether dog, cat, horse, or cow. <laughs> G. Clifford Prude, our president, he works for you and me. So clothe all your pets and join the march for a worldwide decency. S-I-N-A, that's our call. All for one and one for all. Hoisting our flag for all to see, waving for morality. Onward we strive, stronger in every way. All mankind and his animal friends for S-I-N-A. Oh, wow, that's very catchy. Cute. I'm stuck in yeah. my head now. So the, so the thing that people always would wonder is, the claim that the media would make against him is they would say, like, you're profiting off this. And he he really wasn't profiting directly from people who were duped. What happens is, so in 1960s, at the height of Cinna, he meets a guy in the New York subway and they got to talking about the hoax. I don't know how this comes up. So the man, a fellow by the name of Max Sakem, turned out to be a multimillionaire who made his fortune in the mail marketing business. And he loved Alan's work. He was thought it was incredible. And he told me if I ever started a project and needed money, I should ask him. So at that point forward, I just call him up with an idea for a prank and tell him how much I needed, usually about $3,000, $4,000, and he'd immediately wire me $5,000. Oh, that's so Fuck. good. You, you need a uh, scandalous benefactor. Well, you know? I mean, he's, In this game, in this industry? He's doing marketing research, basically. Yeah, yes. well, he's getting he's getting some data from the guy. Yeah, how, how do you convince way. people of stupid shit yeah. that they need a new pair of if shoes I, or a car can, or some shit? If I can get this guy to convince people that we got to clothe animals... I can convince them to buy Alpo. Oh, even <laughs> yeah. before he did the naked animal thing, he convinced a bunch of Westinghouse executives that he was a golf expert and that doing ballet positions would increase their <laughs> golf that abilities. That's some real good data. <laughs> There's no real that. science behind think, it. You honestly, nope, I'm buying it. I'll hey, buy it. Uh, Pittsburgh nope. Steeler, great uh, Lynn Swan. He was he did ballerina. Yeah, yeah. He's he in Hall of Fame now. Yes, yeah. he, he did ballerina. He did. He did. <laughs> <ballerina>. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But he had a number of people. Third years, a number of people would periodically, you know, call him up and want to basically sponsor his pranks because there were people who had a lot of money who were loved pranks. So he had a number of benefactors, but then he would also, George Clooney, he would also sometimes write self-help things or stuff about writing, but like publish them. So were they all, were they all bad? Were they bullshit? He did do like stuff about like motivation and things and into like when he's in his eighties, he would still have to do that and do lectures and stuff. Right. When you're sitting on the toilet, don't waste the toilet paper. Start writing down stream of consciousness. (laughs) It's right there for you. Yeah. But it is funny though, that he would actually have a sincere interest in self-help and stuff like that. It's just like a means to support him to just sell. You know, because he just was never making enough money steadily. Like, he was Hoaxing. living in uh, but, I mean, Westport, he, Connecticut. He has such a unique perspective on the media relationship with people that yeah. it seems like that would be his main uh, mode of, of uh, touring as kind of a lecturer. Right. That was yeah. probably before, you know, media became an industry into itself like gaming the media well no it was more of a fucking industry if anything right because it wasn't as spread out right it was like a like the only thing you heard like you said was like you know three channels yeah yeah but yeah controlled by three guys right yeah. so if you go who are you going to tour for but the societal effects are greater i'm oh, saying when you doubt. have that without much a doubt. control without yeah. a doubt yeah yeah 
but so he he's a little bit of funny. And his next big project was he and his wife kind of enacted on this. They had a fake candidate for president in the '64 election. Well, you're just you're just saying that like it's nothing. Oh. Sorry. Uh, what? He and his wife ran a <laughs> fake candidate for president. Like somebody who totally didn't exist as didn't a person. Didn't exist. Yeah. So yeah. it's a character he created named Yetta Bronstein, who is a Jewish mother. And his wife, Jean, was really good at doing voices. So his wife, Jean, would do voices of a Jewish mother. She'd be like, why don't you vote for Yetta? Yetta is better. Yetta makes <laughs> things better. Maybe uh, you think about everything your mother's done for you. She washed your face. She dried your tuckers. You can't vote for her. So <laughs> So, like, Very this good. was the whole Radio campaign. Ads. Radio ads. So they would send out this, you know, stuff to the media, and they would say that they were from the best party. <laughs> and uh, well, so her platform, juice. her platform is, oh, it's the best. It's very Trumpish, isn't it? That's the best. Oh, what is it? Be best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, best. Be Melania turned to. Yeah, oh, I mean, if you, say, if, if you say, if you say the best party, it's the best party. Yeah, you no, just that's put like, your hands why, out. Why you not want to vote for it? It's yeah. the best. best party. So she wanted to institute a national bingo system. She wanted to put a truth serum in the <laughs> Senate drinking fountains. Very good. Uh, sell ambassadorships to the highest bidder. Uh, she wanted congressmen to be pays, paid on results like, a, uh-huh. you know, a whatever system. She placed a suggestion box in the White House fence. Take Congress off put salary. Put them on state commission. Lower all the curbs in New York City. <laughs> Lower all the curbs. Lower the curbs in New York City. Uh, <laughs> Put a nude photo of Brigitte Bardot on postage stamps. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big seller. Hell yeah. There's a bunch of things that they put up. So basically the Just problem was reminder. they would send out pictures of his mom, but they had her do the voice on radio. And uh, you So know, photo Alan's mom. Yes. Voice right. Alan's wife. Right. Yeah. That's so good. Feminist. That's really funny too. You know, like like Mike Myers was doing like the the Jewish you know character based on oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. his yeah. wife's mother. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like Linda the Richmond, in, yeah. the in law being clubbed. able to intimate like Im- imitate your mother is so funny to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, especially when it's, it's like adorable. the Gentile, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty and adorable appreciating what it is not being from that culture. Because well, it's so like, over the top to you that yeah. of course you're like. You got to get a load of this bra. But what you know? a like if you do, if it's done respectfully, what, yes, what a it lovely is. homage. It, yes. it very much is. Yeah, but he's I always love he's really joking with the presidency a lot. I mean, he doesn't ever really express a lot of overt political positions. But you know, obviously in the '60s, his position is he's always against hypocrisy, fucking with people, lying to them, and that is all basically his focus politically. It's not really a right or well, left. It seems sort of it thing. seems to the like, hoaxer it, it is seems against like lying to people. It's, it's really yes. actually about. About um, a lack of critical thought, right? Yes, or a lack of discussion, a lack of of of, uh, critical thinking. You know, Mm -hmm. just challenging things you hear and not accepting them, right? Hey, hey, wake up! Yeah, Yeah. well, that's his point, which is he would always say this is a point about all his hoaxes that he does, which is um, to he may trick you, and if you were tricked by it. That's a good learning experience because he's tricking you and he's not taking anything away from you. Some the next people... time someone tricks you, you won't be so lucky. Mm. So right. he's telling people, like, be aware, wake up, like, be aware that. And, you know, he's saying he's like, that's the thing about it. Cronkite comes down on him really hard. And all these other media figures would come down on him really hard. And they would be so critical of him and his hoaxes. But he's like, you guys are way harder on me than you are on politicians who lie and send people to war to die. Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, you know, all these, or take people's money and get bribes. And he's like, I'm not the enemy. He's like, they feel personally, It's getting mad at the court jester. Right, well, because 
he's he tricked the news media when they didn't think it was a game. When politicians come on, they expect the game. So yeah. they 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 expect some sort of shading of the truth. Meanwhile, they got duped. Now, yes. hold on a second, Matt. Um, mm -hmm. Just hold on right there. I, I shall. Now, one of your favorite YouTube videos, there's a, a take that the punk magician has on that. <laughs> I'm fooling you. <laughs> and you don't like it. Yes. <laughs> You people are stupid. <laughs> stupid. I'm you don't like it. It's a rabbit, isn't it? <laughs> oh my god. Look up the punk magician. It's Matt's favorite it's, YouTube yes, video. So. I've never <laughs> seen this video. Oh, Ow! Because Matt and you don't give a shit about me. We talked about oh, it at your gosh. house on New Year's Eve. We'll talk about it later. You, you know, know what? No. Put a pin in it. You know, put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Put a stuff like a sock the butterfly in it. of his dreams. We'll take the pin out in a Patreon episode. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. So, but but honestly, yeah. what he's doing bullshit. is really only to benefit the media. It really of is only to benefit the public. Really. Because people that have an interest in lying to you, yeah. like politicians, mm -hmm. are going to snow you way easier and harder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Than somebody doing it as a lark and as a test for the media. Right, like when your yeah. dad hits you, he takes you up for ice cream after and tells you, you know, some lesson. Some, you know, when a stranger, guy, when a stranger hits you, he's just gonna fuck you up. He's, he's just, just got a tire iron. Just, just you cut just, him off in four or five traffic. Just to make you a better right. person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a lesson. Yeah, it's a your lesson. dad beats Jeez. you to make you a better person. A stranger does it to fuck you up. Hmm. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> so we're talking about the hippies. Tell me wrong here. So we're talking about hippies and revealing tits. This is revealing. Oh, wait. So, wait. First, sorry. Vietta Bronstein ran in 64 and in 68. Oh. He ran in two and got thousands of write-in votes. Well, you gotta run against Nixon. Um, hey, boy. Yeah. He created, uh, inspired by the hippie movement, in 1967, the Topless String Quartet. Oh. Wow. Which was a topless mm. string quartet that became so popular, Frank Sinatra. Females? Yes. Frank Sinatra <laughs> offered them a record deal. Yeah, they turned him down, but um, so he made this they movie. Turned, they turned him down. Turned I love that because they, they would never take down. money, right? Is not kind of the deal. It's a quartet, yeah. but it's really an yeah, octo it tip. Yeah, but uh, he got into some shit with the IRS. He sued them. He did all these. Uh, he tried. He pretended to be Howard Hughes. He did a press conference where he covered in bandages, and he's like, "No, you can't see me." Don't <laughs> <laughs> so people so that get good. along with that. Uh, so my, oh, this is great. The internet. So in the early seventies, he starts to kind of change his focus to be. Well, it's not even that change of a focus from sin. It's still the same thing, which is moral um, hypocrisy, especially when it comes to sex and sexuality. So he has things like the International Sex Bowl in nineteen seventy. The International Sex Bowl. Yes, using the alias Harrison T. Rogers, he announced the International Sex Bowl event where couples around the world would compete for climax in front of a black tie audience. And members of the press were invited to attend the Olympic-style competition. And uh, outraged protesters from a watchdog group called Stamp Out Smut picketed outside the venue. And <laughs> so Stamp uh, Out Smut was a real group. But they were, yeah. no, they were actors. Oh, right, okay. oh so, no. Really? So he, he staged both sides he of the drama. He staged both sides uh, of the so drama. And so he's got the, the International Climax Bowl International and the Stamp Bowl. Out Smut. Mm-hmm. Coalition are he's staging both. Yes. This is wonderful. So he's yeah. staging both and the Topless Quartet. Those were all schemes that were used to promote a mockumentary that he and his wife were making called "Is There Sex After Death," <laughs> which is, itself is another. <laughs> which itself is a mockumentary. It's a mockumentary about sex researchers and asking people sex questions in the street. You know, like public stuff yeah, and like yeah, yeah. interviewing. So they have in that movie, uh, Robert Downey Sr. is in it. Mink Stoll um, plays a dominator, so you might know from um, John Waters movies. Huh. And uh, his wife edited it. 
And they had a really hard time selling the movies, like 1971, because um, obviously there's like full nudity in it. And um, oh, yeah, Buck Henry's back in it. And Animal stuff like that. or? Yeah. <laughs> Mostly human. <laughs> Mostly human in this case. But so they had a hard time with that movie. But everything they did was all these big promotional stunts to promote the film because they had to sell it at different like drive ins and shitty. Like, even porno theaters had to play the movie, and it's not really a porno movie at all. Weird. Yeah, huh. so they did a lot of weird things with that, and he had a lot of, like, uh, you know, like, public sex exhibitions and shit of that nature. Uh, so that was one of his public big projects. Public sex exhibitions and well, that shit was, of that, that nature? Things that they would say that they were going to be going on in the movie, which would be public sex exhibitions. Huh. That would be one of their big things. Hmm. And, like, basically... Well, he would always joke around about, like, even though... So you go on New York City talk show appearances around this time and pretend to be a sex expert and stuff. He'd be like, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions. Like, um, can you get electrocuted if you have a wet dream under an electric blanket? <laughs> Maybe you, bro. <laughs> Not me. I can. So, and then, so, so around much. this time, it he kind of so hard. Jesus, it's so much into the electric blanket, I just it, it gets shocked. This is a character. Yeah, I don't doubt that much. Well, we were don't t- have an electric blanket. You do. Yeah, I don't have an electric blanket either. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> you do come a lot. Hell yeah! Thank, God, thank you, John. God, I love you. But well, I was sending you some clips, John, about um, him on like his New York City talk show appearances. <laughs> oh yeah. So he basically, he would go on all these New York City talk shows pretending to be a sex expert and stuff. And he would say that he was from this like center for research and stuff like that. And he would ask that question about that. And then he would just... Um, just a lot of questions about, uh, like, he would say that he had a young woman who wanted to be cryogenically frozen because she was sick of sexual harassment. Yeah. Oh, so that maybe in the future it'd be better? Yeah, yeah, for women and stuff like that. So he's on this show and he's proposing all these ridiculous things. Like he said, he's like, you know, we have a study about whether big toes are growing every year in this country. And it turns out they are growing. And he's like, the, the human, he's like, the human desires to return to a time when we had longer big toes you know that's why people always live in you know high-rise buildings because they want to swing from them oh my god (laughs) this has to do with toes yeah people would call in and be like i don't think this is real Uh. and he would have euthanasia cruises that he would say that he would like take you out of international (laughs) waters coming euthanasia and then like someone calls up the show and they're like um, excuse me, I noticed that the young woman who's saying that she's going to be cryogenic frozen, she's also booked to be on the euthanasia cruise next month. Oh, <laughs> and he's like, she's going to be frozen and then unfrozen and then, <laughs> and then frozen again. <laughs> <laughs> but this is fuck. This is the worst part of it. You can find the clip on YouTube. So there's a man who calls up and he says to him, he's like, I have inoperable cancer and I want to be cryogenically frozen instead of this woman. Instead of this woman, he's like, "Don't freeze her. She's healthy. He's freeze like, that bitch. He's she's like, frigid freeze anyway. He's like, she's halfway frozen. <laughs> and he's like, freeze, freeze me, me instead. I'm, I'm gonna die. Wait, but inoperable cancer. You're just gonna wake up and die anyway. in the present. In the, I, in the I know. I know. In the present. But you don't know what they're gonna figure out back there. <laughs> well, apparently, <laughs> sexual harassment. Yeah, but they're, not gonna, they're gonna cure cancer before they cure sexual harassment, bro. I'm on the side of this guy. But the actress, she's just stone faced. She doesn't know how to react. And Abel just, just like. I'm very sorry. Uh, the legal ramifications, it's not something we can possibly do. Like, he never breaks character. In any yeah. of these media appearances, he doesn't break character But she at looks all. like she's like... She looks like she wants to die. We went in she too looked, far. She feels yeah. horrible. This guy now has hope. I wasn't ready for this. Yeah, she was like, I, did, I thought it was just going to be funny. Yeah. Uh, I answered it. We were talking about classified. Nixon so much. Uh, 
So in 74, Allen poses as a former White House employee who supposedly has in his possessions the infamous 18 and a half missing gap from the the Watergate tapes. So you would get packed conferences of press of the press. <laughs> and tape, then, tape recorder's out. He has like, a tape reporter quarter yeah, out. Yeah. I and, have uh, in my posi- this. Uh, yeah, so he has like everything super drawn out, you know, and then he puts it on and he acts shocks when the same part of tape is erased. <laughs> just, just quiet. So he accidentally just, erased his own. Just, all yeah. Right. yeah, and he's like, oh, well, I said shit. I had the blacked out tape. <laughs> he did this multiple times to different members of the press. Oh, my God. And they God. didn't figure it out. Uh, that was, yeah, so he that was also making a mockumentary called The Baking of the President, which is where he cut up a bunch of Nixon quotes to make Nixon seem like he was admitting to committing horrible crimes. Oh, oh my wow. God. That's very ahead of the time. Yeah, and had a guy in a Nixon mask doing funny stuff, and it's like 74. Robin Banks surfing. Yeah. 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 But uh, his longest <laughs> prank was 13 years. He pretended to be this character called Omar the Beggar, who ran a panhandling school. <laughs> That's so good. That is like, I mean, that is like absolutely the perfect conservative... The thing to like, piss off conservative yeah, people. Yeah, like this guy shows you how to do yep. yeah. do nothing. And it's the uh, liberal uh, academics. Oh, right. Well, it's right. Yeah. It's right. New York City in the 70s when people were, I think, first getting uh, acclimated to the idea of panhandlers or what that was or homeless people. Yeah. And he, yeah, he ran for 13 years and he would go on wearing a black hood over his face with eyes cut out because he's like, I can't reveal my identity. No way. And they would still put him on the news and everything. And people would. Because it was a hot, me- hot, hot media story. Because like, it pissed everyone off. Like, yeah, it pissed everyone off. They're like, do you-? and they're like, how do you defend yourself doing this? You're teaching people how to beg professionally. He's like, no, I just tell people like, what's the best thing to say? What's the best thing? He's like, it's hard to live out there. Rent is expensive. You know, a lot of people. He would say he'd be like, a lot of people are grad students. They're overeducated, underemployed. What are they supposed to do? He's like, this just tells you. He's like, he's talking about grad students. He's not, and he's not panhandling himself. No, no, he's got a story. He's, he's running a business no, here. Yeah. No, he's no, no a fake he, school. He figured it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna tell you how to yeah, do it. Exactly. exactly. I started out as a panhandler. Talk about passive income on YouTube. I was just like you. Now I look like an executioner. Yeah. Oh, you know, the guy in the hood over his head, he makes a lot of good points. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the hood. I'm going to tell you how to get out of the hood yeah. <laughs> and into the suburbs. Uh, he was just, you know, a commentary on homelessness and everything like that. So he was on The Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. He was busy on four. TV shows. Jesus. TV shows. It's 453 in <laughs> If you're just joining us, this is the Tomorrow Show. Yeah, it's basically about 14 years he was going on TV. Tom Snyder. Uh, Do you need a couple of cigarettes for the road? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, give, him a, give him a to-go cup. <laughs> He's only driving to Queens. It's fine. Five I mean, Tom Snyder, I mean, Walter Cronkite, these guys having these serious, serious introdu- introductions and, 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 and interviews with them. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> did he ever do Charles Grodin or did I don't think so. He just uh, he didn't have many celebrities. He would have been great on Larry King. Oh my god. Coming up next. <laughs> Tell me, poor person educator <laughs> and scream mask. <laughs> <laughs> so you do that. How do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> Minneapolis, you're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so he has a kid by this time. His daughter Jenny's born in like the mid seventies and she becomes a part of some of his pranks. He pretends to be a doctor that thinks that they should feed hair to children for its <laughs> nutritious value. And he brings her to that has her eat a sandwich that has hair. No in it. way! Yeah. Ew! <laughs> 
That is the worst part of the story. <laughs> oh, it's you tremendous. Weirdo. Eating hair? <laughs> Listen, I'll listen to the really Marquis de Sade really turn two holes into one. <laughs> yeah. But a child I know, hair, but somebody biting I, their nails. I'm, I'm <laughs> drawing, the line, drawing the line Ugh. at eating hair. You pube. I mean, prude. So how old is she in that? She's like six, seven. Good Ooh. God. She doesn't really eat the hair. Oh. She eats around it. Yeah, they're total pros. Yeah. Uh, cut the crust off. Yeah. <laughs> Total pros. Oh, I love him. He, uh, Actually, it's poetry. He orchestrated a fake green card marriage between Idi Amin and a wasp woman that was going to take place at the Plaza Hotel. He got the FBI and the CIA and the State Department to come to that. They were all actors. Um, oh, that's so damn. good. <laughs> Keeps fucking them. My favorite one of his, though, and this is interesting of who it attracted. At the CIA, the next... Did you go to that idiot? I mean, that was fucking wild. Well, I think it was also somewhat of a prank because I think, I don't know if the timing of it lines up, you know, because like um, Tiny Tim had married his wife on TV. Right. Miss Vicky. And uh, so I think it was also a ploy on the whole TV wedding phenomenon. Yes. You know, royal weddings. Yeah, beginnings of reality culture. Yeah, and yeah. royal weddings and all that garbage. Right. I mean, just imagine those CIA meetings where they're like, all right, first business, MK Ultra, still going. Guys, how you doing? Good, yeah, good. Brainwashing, right. mind control, but first order of business. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, new business. <laughs> yeah. All right, old business, we're still shipping drugs to the ghettos. Okay, <laughs> new business. Idi Amin's getting married? <laughs> Holy cannoli, he's going to be an American citizen. Don't all raise your hands at once. <laughs> to a waspy woman is the best. <laughs> Can we have shrimp cocktail? <laughs> I've got a plus one. Calm down. <laughs> now, do we all know how to do the electric slide? <laughs> no one embarrass me. <laughs> No one dropped their gun and shoots a book. Oh, it's the FBI, I'm sorry. In uh, 1980, he pulls an obituary prank. Just what it sounds like. He successfully faked his own death and got his obituary published in the New York Times. According to the paper, he died of a heart attack while skiing in Utah. He was supposedly scouting locations at the time for an upcoming film called Who's Going to Bite Your Neck, Dear, When All of My Teeth Are Gone? (laughs) What an idiot. That's that is him at the purviest, dude. Oh my god, who's gonna bite your neck, comma dear? When all, dot dot dot. When, when all, all of my teeth. teeth are yeah, it's a it's a play on when I'm 64. <laughs> yes. yeah. So some reports indicated that Alan was found buried in a snowbank with his skis, skis in the form of a cross. Several his years skis in the form of a cross. Yes, he's gone to Jesus. <laughs> Several years Jewish. after the he young was Jewish resurrected, Jewish finally saw the light. <laughs> he was ascended. And he was reckoned when I know the rapture. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, wait, this is so cr- so. Several years after he was going to get resurrected, Abel's friend Bob Pagani introduced Alan to Andy Kaufman, who became obsessed with the details yes. yeah. surrounding the hoax of him faking his own death. Ah, very good, Laura. Very, very good. And now Andy Kaufman obviously became Bill Hicks, who became Alex Jones. Right. Who became... A guest uh, on this program. (laughs) Welcome, Andy. (laughs) I can't go to YouTube anymore. Actually, just all just I'm an entertainer. It's just an act. He just little ones, fake chic in the U.S. Open. No, if I, can I stop you for a second? <laughs> the um, the I, the 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 fake the fake death, right? Yes. So in when they when they kind of eulogize him, they talking about him being a social media prankster, all that stuff. Yeah. And how long does that go before does he reveal it? Does do other people? They re- find out about it after a couple of weeks. They see him okay. walking. Yeah, yeah. He gets he <laughs> He's gets buying out. groceries. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! So he's wearing that black hood again. Fake your own death. 
He's covered in rock dust. He must have got I got out. rich by faking my own death, and so can you. <laughs> Call 1-900. Okay, wait. So, so a man named Prince Amir Assad okay. mysteriously appeared at the Red Cross Pro Celebrity Tennis Tournament. He arrived in a limousine wearing a bermuse over his tennis outfit and was accompanied by a strange entourage. Oh, a supposed Arab millionaire, he proceeded to play tennis with Penny Marshall, Sonny Bono, and pro players Bill Scanlon and Vijay Armitage. Oh, it was a pro-am. Yeah, so it's uh, just one of his friends who was an Italian guy. That's uh, <laughs> uh, very American. Yeah, I have an Italian he, guy playing another race. Jesus, yeah. this is fucked up. Super Bowl yeah. hoax, 1983. During the 83 Super Bowl game between the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Redskins, he snuck a fake official onto the field. Oh, my the God. The official called four plays before being chased down <laughs> the yes. sidelines by a cop. The game was halted and the crowd went wild. The policeman escorted the imposter off the playing field. It was later revealed that the cop was also in a oh, car. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, they would be lynched. <laughs> oh, my. Today. Today? Today, they'd be lynched. Not at all. Trump just did it in, like, the, the two sides of the protesters. That just happened in the 2016 no, election. fuck with football, bro. Yeah, you're probably right. That was Russia. No. But it, by this point, it's the 80s, so he's going on a lot of talk shows. You that's, can that's fuck his, with elections all you want. That's his next thing. <laughs> it's true. More, people, no, watch people, people, more people watch football They would have murdered yes. him. They would have torn him in, in half. Yes. Four plays? Yeah. I mean, that's, on, dude. Four plays. In, in the Super Bowl. That's 10 million. Oh, the that's, Super Bowl. That's, no, that's like, yeah. uh, that's maybe that's maybe $100 million in gambling money. Yeah, and advertising time and uh, <laughs> people's actual identity. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some mob boss in Chicago. Give me this Alan Abel's. Find out where his sister lives. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> We're going to turn that around into fucking ceviche. <laughs> he formed a group at 84 called Females for Felons. A group of former members of the Junior League provided sex to men behind bars for rehabilitation. Yes. <laughs> Females wanna... for number four uh-huh. felons. Some... Yep. I'll be a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's about recidivism. Um, so one of so by this point he starts to really kind of go in on talk shows and bullshit media because like by the eighties peak talk show yeah peak yeah, talk show era. but also it's action news. Action mm. news is a new thing. Right. It's a lot more oriented on sensationalism and stuff. Stories like that. So he really he turns it out when Phil Donahue decides to do a live show in New York City. Uh, this one is just so over the edge. I love it. So he. Gets all these pranksters, fellow actors, people he knows, and they are well, probably a quarter of the audience. The Phil Donahue <laughs> show. Donahue? Of the audience. So one by one, so as per Alice's instructions, they stood up one by one to ask Phil a question. Jeez. As soon as the microphone came near, they collapsed to the floor. <laughs> What? <laughs> they just fainted. They fa- no, fake fainted. I, I, I'm Fall, hearing it. It's funny. So, it funny. fearing a possible it. gas leak, Johnny, you quickly evacuated the entire studio <laughs> audience. So people are talking to him, and he's like, you know, um, with the lights, and it's hot in the studio, and it's very cold outside. You know, we think a lot of people were overwhelmed, and, you know, the lights and being on TV, they're anxious. So uh, we're, we're looking into what's going oh, on. Oh, my God. This is like his second live show in New York that he's doing. So, as later revealed to the press, the name of the campaign was called Fight Against Idiotic, ne- Idiotic Neurotic Television, or FAINT. <laughs> That's so Very good. good. So Donnie Idiotic to... Neurotic <laughs> Television. And so, the fight against it. Yeah. Yes. FAINT. So v. Donahue went, ball, went ballistic and fucking hated him so much. I can't believe this. Next You're up. telling me. Yeah. Next up. My television is bad. Idiotic. 
We have a woman in the attic. We have Television? a woman that's sleeping with her cousins. We'll be right back with that. Great so guy. good. Good Catholic. I'm pretty sure that Donahue and Sally Jesse Raphael are the same person. Remember when they threw him into idea, MSNBC? Yeah. For like, oh, I love Sally. like six like, months? Like we, yeah. would, like we would all be like... Oh yeah! yeah Remember when they threw him in, They threw Geraldo in the Fox News and oh it stuck. Oh my god! Oh wait, he's still yeah, there. Yeah, the Remember when that... Geraldo revealed all those troop locations and <laughs> uh, stuff like that? And and totally We're over here, we got you. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys here. Right they're uh, they're about to ambush some uh, Iraqis. Brown people, don't worry about it. Iraqis. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, we're My here. Mustache. I'll give you the latitude and longitude, exactly. Uh, have you seen I'll, these shorts? Oh, I'll tell you that I, I took the, the mustache right off Saddam Hussein's body <laughs> and put him on my face. Such a fucking piece of shit. So I hate that motherfucker dominoes. so much. Went to my alma mater. Well, I can see what they did. University of Arizona. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's when he was Jerry Rivers. Ah, Jerry, Jerry Rivers. Rivers. I never knew that, Aaron. Oh. That is correct. That's very good stuff. Geraldo Rivera, a.k.a. Jerry Rivers. Jerry. That's you know, a shocker. Martin Jerry Sheen's didn't make it. Martin Sheen's name is not Martin Sheen. Oh, I right. did know that. We all know that the Estevez family is as no, much history. Is. But um, so throughout the 80s, most of these pranks seem to be focused on like hiring a lot of actors to impersonate people. Um, in 87, he introduced the character of Mehdi uh, Baramani, an ar- ar- Iranian arms merchant who made $6 million in commission on the sale of U.S. arms to Iran. So good. He got the media to say that he wanted to give the money back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, the story was never questioned and wound up on the national news. Uh, as a real story, he he got a Salman Rushdie impersonator. One of the better ones, though, was the $35 million uh, 1990 lottery hoax that he did. This is heavily featured in the documentary about him. And this is when the media really comes out with claws and attacking him. And uh, so in 1990, he really is really hypercritical of the whole lottery thing. Cause that's the thing that's the, news it's the tax all the on the time. poor. Yeah. You know, he's saying he's like, these and are dumb. these people's bread and baby money and they're spending it on these fucking tickets and there's no chance they can win. So he gets this actress to pose as the winner of the $35 billion lottery that was going on in New York. So he kind of laid out how he arranged this thing, which is he would literally just have people hanging out in offices of media companies. Be like, did you hear about that single girl who won $35 million on a lottery ticket? And stuff like that. And the press would be like, oh, interesting. So he staged a lavish party at the Omni Park Plaza Hotel. He puts it on like the second floor or something. And just has a huge party going and all these people are called up and told about it. So all the media comes out because she's ex- the headline was like, she's 30, she's single, and she just won $35 million. And she's holding up a fake ticket. And guess what? Her period's late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so every news media in New York outlet, every national media starts covering it. And then they're just like, oh, it's not true. The, nas- the New York lottery is like, we were never fooled. Like, we knew that that was yeah. fake right, right, the right. whole time. Yeah. But there's like stories on... 60 minutes about like this guy's full of shit and then they start right. going to his house and interviewing alan abel and really being oh. like what do you get out of this and they're like why are you doing this well, he gives very thoughtful answers like he's very he much like well i mean obviously if i if i hand you a neatly packaged lie for you to yeah. to go to your editor with and be like i got a story it's got legs yeah you and, have no problem uh, yeah you're it. being lazy at your yeah. job it's right. very important for you to to inform people in, in a responsible so way right. yeah. and uh they're like well what well, just why would you 
Why would you do that though? Why? Well, they're so incensed by this idea of well, why would you just? Why would you f- devote all your time to fucking with my job? And it's like because your job is so important. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like because it shouldn't be this easy to fool you. I'm a. It should be a little a, bit harder. It's yeah. Like a, it's and, like an air marshal. And also, yeah. if it, if it's if it's so neatly packaged, how mm-hmm. does nothing in you scream? It's too good to be true. Yes. Exactly. They don't ask any questions and they don't say like, huh, this seems too good to be true because it always is a perfectly packaged story about exactly what are the cultural concerns and yeah. fears and anxieties and, and, and at staged that time. to get back four specific deadlines. Yeah. Well, papers and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's given like, to you at this point. Like Sunday. We'll have it for noon. the six o'clock evening yeah, edition, yeah. like uh, all that type of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And he makes it easy. He tells you, come here. This is the story. Just do this. Lays, makes it so easy. Uh, he created the KKK Symphony Orchestra in 1991. Because uh, <laughs> Klansman David Duke was running for governor in Louisiana. He made a recording of the orchestra, sent it to radio stations, printed flyers and concerts. Was it any good? Uh, tickets for a concert that no. David Duke was invited to guest conduct. Duke actually accepted the invitation oh, yes. before realizing it was a joke. That's a gr- Of that's... course he did. To guest conduct an orchestra. Alex could, yeah, I could he, do he, well, he, I guess I could. He is him. the Grand Master or Grand Wizard or whatever, and he yeah. doesn't know that the KKK does not have an orchestra. Yeah, we're not that organized, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. you know, the KKK is a sprawling organization with a rich history, yeah. with our tendrils uh, entwined through every uh, segment of the U.S. society. Like I a dragon. I can't. <laughs> or an octopus, or a hydra, or even a bacterial flagellum. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't possibly know the inner workings and ins and outs of our whole sprawling Covert, clandestine, <laughs> yet also clandestine. out in the open operation. Aaron, <laughs> very good. He, he was just like tapping his finger, just clandestine, and like, huh? That's the best. Didn't even for know a, we had an orchestra. That's the best name for a white supremacist stripper I've ever heard. Clandestine, <laughs> yes. Clandestine. You must. He must have been like, oh, we do arts. <laughs> oh, it's a lot no of idea. sense. I thought the Jews ran that. Yeah, <laughs> even the New Yorkers love it. <laughs> Should we make an inroads there? Symphony, oh, huh? Is this new? With but no brothers? Symphony. <laughs> we get a, we get plays the, the trumpet. <laughs> Trumpeteer. But the 90s, you know, we're in a series of pranks that are mostly ba- still based on talk shows. He has his euthanasia cruises after Jack Kevorkian. Uh, he I goes... Love, it, okay, <laughs> I just have to ask. Are the, euthan- are the euthanasia cruises marketed as... Suicide cruises? Yes. Okay, not like child sex. No. Euthanasia. No. no not that kind of no. euthanasia. Okay. Not, not, way a, less, not the mega death style. Way less popular. Of euthanasia. It's not a stand-up <laughs> joke cruise. Okay. I love it. First, but he's, first he's, joke he's, ever. He's not, by a he's not actually having cruises happen. No, no. He's advertising No, them. he's advertising them, but he's getting people to buy tickets. The boat's um, in the mind. So he would, he went on the Jenny Jones show. No and... lifeboats. <laughs> <laughs> right, no right to lifeboats. That's the abortion No cruise. right yeah. to lifeboats. <laughs> but he said that he played a guy who had cheated on his wife and said that she had glued his penis to his butt when she found him cheating. <laughs> Is, the, is that a Joe Wayne Bobbitt thing? Uh, yeah, no, no, it was 1994. Right around 1994. That's, yeah. that's yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. He glued, he glued. <laughs> she didn't she cut glued. it off. She glued <laughs> it to his asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're never going to believe this. You've heard about this Lorraine and Bobbitt character? Yeah. <laughs> no, I got to pee one down. I'll do you one better. She made me go fuck myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you guys remember when... Oh, I know exactly where my dick is. <laughs> At all times. It's up my own asshole. With my head. Oh, that's just, that's what... a thing. I don't want to derail this too much. You know that's the fucking thing? What? That you can do that? What, fellas do? Yeah. There's yeah. a whole, yeah, there's a whole yeah, yeah. fucking... Like videos nonstop, and I've watched them all. I'll tell you, <laughs> <laughs> these guys shoving their dicks up their asshole. <laughs> it's insane. Their own? It's insane. Have wow. they heard of these gay guys that are out there that'll do it for them? They're probably just real cold. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, looks like I got a new Lord. Patreon to cover. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> Do you remember when Jenny McCarthy did that ad for Candy's shoes where she yes. sat on the toilet? Oh, my God. Whoa, 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 whoa. What was this? What? I don't remember you this. You don't remember this? No. She's Jenny McCarthy all, does an ad for rain. Candy's shoes where she's sitting on the toilet. And her legs are like, yes. And she's like this, you know. Huh. It was very controversial. Dangling. You know, a perennial sexy. brand Candy's. Right, and you're you're sitting there and, you know, and you're fucking you're thinking Long, about her Long Island suburb. You're like, is she shitting? Is she pissing? I don't know. What's say? Did she glue her own dick to her asshole? <laughs> oh. No wonder she's sitting. Though. Hope you say Mary. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Hope you, yeah. Don't shit on that dick. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, push like, the dick out with your shit, lady. It's <laughs> really easy. Out. It's like goo god. It'll dissolve the two bur- Two birds with one stone. <laughs> lady, if you got a shit and your dick is up your ass, real simple. <laughs> <laughs> Just push it out. <laughs> you don't gotta Try go to the or nothing. Just, <laughs> yeah. you don't go You're just mouth. armchair quarterbacking. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Push it. Get her squatty potty. All right, so she does this. Uh, <laughs> it's this, a print this, uh, What's a print ad? Sort of. So he, he claims that he's this guy named Stoity Puka who decided to market Jenny's Pinto P worldwide. He claimed that there was a warehouse yeah. filled with 500,000 cases of her urine stored urine in Mexico. Packaged and ready for shipping. You know, her lawyer sent him a cease and desist letter claiming trademark infringement. He pointed out the lawyer should have read his pseudonym backwards. Wake up, idiots. <laughs> oh, my Say the God. Names. What was the, the name is Stoidy Puka. I think that's how you would say Wake it. Up Wake, Wake up, idiot. Wake up, idiot. Damn Eastern Europeans. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there you goes. Um, that's very good. Yeah, he did all kinds of shit in the late 80s. He claimed to have the smallest penis in the Guinness Book of World Records. I can't even <laughs> stick it up my own ass. <laughs> I can't even stick it up my own ass. Um, can't stick it up any ass. He just, oh, so many. And then the one that I love that they show when he's in his daughter's documentary, Citizens Against Breast. Citizens Against Breastfeeding. <laughs> just in I general. That was the that. one I sent you, just the, the calls when people are calling them and they're like, you are born on the shores of ignorance yes. and you are fed by the milk of mistrust. Yes. <laughs> people oh are like, you are a fucking idiot. <laughs> like in his voicemail, it's just message after message. <laughs> so he claims, so he would be this guy who had this, he, played, he said he was Jim Rogers and he had an organization called Citizens Against Breastfeeding. And they sought to abolish the supposed act of immoral perversion. He claimed that breastfeeding was incestuous and it led to oral addiction. <laughs> so he's on and a now. news program and he's like, you know, these kids become orally fixated. He's like, you know, there's a rumor that uh, Monica Lewinsky was breastfed until she was seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> By her dad. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> He said that the naughty nipple was responsible for many of today's society, people drinking and smoking too much and oral fixations. It was, yeah. And, uh, 
Oh, Hi, yeah. I'm Monica. I was breastfed by my dad. Until <laughs> I was seven. Until I was seven. He did some more lottery hoaxes. He proposed a national fat tax in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, yeah. it's funny because, like, um, ironically, a few years later, the state of Arizona proposed its own obesity tax to close the state's uh, budget gap. Jesus Christ. Doesn't that just while, admit that you're... While at the same time opening the thigh gap. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it pays for itself. Yeah, it's simple. Doesn't that trickle down? Just... It trickles down your side of your thigh. <laughs> Once you can see it. <laughs> Oof, In uh, 2007, it... he concerned, concerned colorblind citizens. He protested Homeland Security's use of a color code. Yes, I remember oh, that. Uh, I remember that. Lisa so Rice good. took one of their flyers, leaned against the White House fence, and laughed out loud. He said that's one of his favorite moments. He had graf- she got it. graffiti art museums. Or she's just a hateful person. <laughs> his last hoax in 2009. 2009. So he starts in 1959. That's right? incredible. That's so incredible. 2009. So he created a fake campaign called Stop Bird Porn <laughs> to label bird watchers as voyeurs. Oh. They sexual gratification while watching birds cohabitate. Oh, a new hoaxing recruit, Lena Podapova, poses the founder of Stop Bird Porn. The team protested in Denver during the Democratic campaign to elect President Obama. At times, the protest drew more reporters than those covering Obama for interviews. Jesus. Oh, Even wow. New York Times reporter Maureen Dowd had to wait in line to interview Elon. You're shitting no. me. Uh, wait, she's not a reporter. She's a fucking shit-ass op- opinion yep. writer. She's Many bloggers reporters yeah. were unsure as to whether this was a serious movement or not. Lena was in- extremely convincing as the founder of Stop Bird Porn. Uh, yeah, so that was one of his, basically, like, his really his last hoaxes. because A lot of sex stuff. It a it's lot. America. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's a an easy button to push for Americans. Yes. But he also, it you know, is. he'll talk about when he was a young man and, you know, him and his buddies would, you know, look at Betty Boop cartoons and stuff. He's married to the same woman, you know, for his whole life. They have one daughter. But and he's not at all, admittedly, ever, like, creepy. I just think he's one of those people who just thinks it's funny how weirdly uptight people are about porn. Right. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's half the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but, but he, I mean, you know, he does have... You know, this great point that he makes, and I think, you know, if he was alive now, he would be incredibly disappointed that things that he said as jokes were taken extremely seriously our, now. That are yeah. public policy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot I of think, these things have... I mean, I think down, down to the breastfeeding thing. I yeah. think there is a vegan advocacy group. No. No morality. Well, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think if he was... I mean, the... Everything going on now seems like it's one giant big satirical. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's been a lot of. Or like I was just talking to you, uh, there was something that there was a women's group on campus in a college in Australia. They had an event shut down because they made vagina cupcakes. Right. And they said that it was offensive to trans women who don't have vaginas. Yes. And they said yeah. that, that that Fuck kind them. of attitude with they, their own dick in their own butt. They said that kind of attitude. Let me eat the pussy cake. But they said right. that kind of attitude led to trans women getting murdered. They were murdered. like, the attitude of the people that would make this kind of thing for an event is the same kind of attitude that leads to trans women getting murdered. That's wrong. Mm. It's 100% so wrong. So there is a level of that. Murder is what leads to murder. Yes, yes. Yeah. Psychos. I would say yeah, very rarely do cupcakes lead to murder. Mm, in no. yeah, in general. And, yeah. But he did finally, uh, for real, pass away in 2018. Wow. This yeah, as far as we know. September. How old is yes. he? Um, he was born in 1920. Excuse me, 1924. And he just died in 2018. 86. 86. 
But I mean, yeah, so. yeah, like I mean, I don't know. There's, there's stomach cancer. Yeah, it did. Like Ooh. when, when you see him in the documentary and stuff too, it seems to be like it was very like, um, you know, have you, have you ever met like an old man prankster? And yeah, he's, and he's like, you know, like, yeah. can you believe it? Yeah, can you believe they're they're, they're thinking this is it? real? Yeah, they're buying it. They're I buying have, it. No, I have not he, met he, an he, old man prankster <laughs> to answer your question. Well, I have. Go, I mean, well, go I mean, to Ireland. Was, uh, yeah, in Ireland, it well, was the, uh, the whole country. The whole, it was, the whole sense of humor was, you know, winding somebody up, mm-hmm. and so somebody'd oh, yeah. be like, it'd just be like, off the top of their head, they'd be like, oh yeah, uh, fucking, uh, what's her name's pregnant. What? Just make make it up. Just yeah. make up lies yeah. on the spot. Yeah. Lies are funny. It's one of my lies favorite phrases. Fun. Wind up merchant. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wind up. He's a wind up merchant. I've never uh, heard that before. Yeah. yeah. The guy who the guy who who works. We wind people, people up. Yeah. Yeah. It was but, uh, a, you know, the, like, but he he doesn't seem to get like a, a huge subversive laugh out of it. He's just kind of like. He just seems like like he amused. Like yeah, subversive laugh amused. is his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but it, and, and it's genuine. He's like, oh, oh man, can you believe this dumb yeah. bullshit? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a hard life. I mean, that's one of the things that his daughter kind of puts out in the film, which is you know he's in his eighties and he and his wife have to move out of their home in Westport, Connecticut. They can't afford it anymore, and they're living with friends, and then they have to. They're like living on hotel rooms for a little bit, and then they move into like Oof. a small little apartment. But right. it's just like. And they're just they're surrounded. They're you know they're just wearing dirty old T-shirts and they're going for walks and hanging out and they're obviously very in yeah, love he's a still. Bum. But he just yeah. I mean he never made he never had like right. when you think about him and it's like all of his work and everything. He obviously he's sort of like the Sasha Baron Cohen of his time. Like I said the Andy Kaufman and he precedes all of these people. But he never was you know he never exploited. His situation. He didn't know. He, 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 he didn't. All. He didn't hurt the weak at all. Um, he what, didn't what, set what, himself up to be comfortable at all. He was still struggling. But the media. So when you see some of the media stuff about like, yeah. here's this guy that did. Because then there's a the, then there's a media report about the hoax, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. then they have this thing yeah. where they kind of get their little digs in. They're like, why does he do do this? Why did everybody fall for this? Yeah. Why does this guy do this? Because every time he does it, his uh, lecturing fee goes up at yeah, college campuses. Yeah, they but were it's not it. enough. No, no. Like, this guy wasn't cleaning up. Like no. he's in this very modest house. He's he he's, he's wearing work- a California raisins T-shirt. He's working in in this this weird little um, uh, uh, train car. Yeah, he, in the back of his home. He had this thing property. called the public pe- people pooper or something. He wanted to have a public outhouse put in front of the White House and things, but he converted a little train car that's in his backyard. Yeah. But um, so yeah. so we, like his office that he's doing all this weird prank shit in is in a little train car yeah. in the back wife, of his house. His wife makes miniatures and stuff like that when she's in her eighties. Right, knickknacks, doodads. Yeah, they're just you know. Well, sometimes great people are losers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, Sarah. <laughs> and this guy is definitely a loser. No, I don't think he's a loser at all. I he think he mo- makes a spectacular point over the entirety of his fucking career. Were we on the same show together? <laughs> yes, you but, psycho. But he, <laughs> you know, he it, just didn't. He didn't milk it, it, but he didn't need to. Well, was it sounds well, like he should have milked it a little well, bit. Well, I, I guess no. the, the, the question yeah. then is, in your mind, was he a success? Oh, absolutely a success. Yes. Well, then how he is was, he a loser? Well, because he like failed at the end of his life in maintaining some well, dignity. Well, hoaxing doesn't pay <laughs> unless you're... You are, you are, hands down, the craziest person I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. He's 87 yet. Nobody has dignity at 87. Right, they don't oh, you're gone. right about that, my friend. Shoot me at 50. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the one chicken vent for all this shit falling out. <laughs> 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 
Ah, you're no dignity, son of a bitch, you loser. You're a loser. What, did you start in 1959, going to 2009? Now you're fucking dying in 2008. You're Aptly critiquing pathetic. society at large for half a century. Yes. Yet because you are not a homeowner. Yeah. And you're not on two cars. <laughs> You piece of shit! <laughs> you mean nothing to me. You, you take reverse mortgages seriously and think they're a good financial but, but, okay, so... Alright, so he's a, he's a prankster or whatever. He has fun, the whole thing. But think yeah. about it seriously now. Really yeah. put yourself in a position. You go from this position in 1959, Media is 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 far more serious, uh, a lot less nefarious. I think we would all say, you know, in yes. the, in the nineteen seventies, at least you would see the the bodies come home from Vietnam, and For a there was a lot more honesty in media. And then throughout his entirety of lampooning the media, he sees this. Thing, the, the decline mm, of yeah. of uh, of reliability in media and manipulation of stuff, almost to the point that his pranks become. Super believable by the time he's dying. Mm. How do you think that affects him as a person getting older and uh, is going to see his children live beyond him? Well, I think what must be frustrating for him, I don't know if it's frustrating on a personal level, I think what must be difficult for him is, I think when he was a young man, he probably he probably imagined that in the late 50s, there was such an amount of hypocrisy around sex, for example, is one of the issues. I think he probably envisioned that in 50 years, there would not be the same kind of hypocrisy. And I think he probably would feel like we really haven't gone very far. No. Well, in, I think we kind of went forward and backward with forward it, right? Like, right. you know, sex or, changes through the decades. Well, the yeah. pendulum. Yeah, yeah, we haven't covered as much ground as we probably should have. But for him, I mean, it's not, it is media, but then it's also public interest groups. It's citizens groups. It's who's an authority and who gets to speak in media or who has facts or who's respectable. Or who gets the media's attention? Because he was making fun of morality groups in the 1950s. And I don't think he could have ever predicted that they would get Ronald Reagan elected, you know, the religious yeah. right in this mm. country. And, you know, how much they changed about, I mean, how much do you think about the push for prayer in schools and for, yeah. uh, abstinence only education? Mm. Well, right, displaying and the Ten Commandments. People want to display the Ten Commandments. People right. want to be God able corporal punishment in schools. These sort of archaic, you know, totally ass backwards societal ideas that people are still pushing. I think he could never have seen how far those groups would get in being successful. I also he's don't also think highly critiquing he them. could have seen how education would, uh, you know, deteriorate to such a degree that uh, the idea of satire would be completely lost as every yeah. decade passes. Mm. Yeah. That you you would never get that this was a joke because there was also so many things that were just as dumb that were serious. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like no, I don't. Neither he nor anyone could ever predict just the in just not just the increase of stupidity or hypocrisy, but just yeah. like the scope that everything would increase in. And like, okay, it went from three networks to a million networks. Yeah. Everybody is a news outlet now, yeah. right? So there's, I, it, I think it was beyond anybody's comprehension at that point. And, and the thing about like, you know, how, how crazy the, uh, the, the fervor would become with these asinine ideas like prayer in schools and corporal punishment. It's, it, the weird sex, you know, um, standards. It, it it's almost like pe normal people, uh, not normal people, reasonable people take such things for granted mm -hmm. that we don't make a big stink about them. Mm -hmm. And maniacs 
make huge stinks out of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you have a stick up your ass about whipping the shit out of your kid or putting two tablets with 10 laws on them in front of a courthouse, you make a huge stink out Mm -hmm. of it. But when you're a normal person like John, (laughs) (laughs) you you don't make a stink out of very much at all. Right. But then there's also like this weird, you know, pendulum swing that's like, you know, the regional position of a citizen's group is is, – Viewed as um, well, it could be subversive or, or weird, like uh, children that don't want to be shot in school. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. like, they're, well, they're they're out here and they're saying they're things out here and, and they're goddamn we, Marxists. And, and we oh don't, God, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's like, you know, no, they just their whole thing is like hurt. everything is, is is like weirdly, you know, uh, colored. Like you know, ridiculous things become normal, and you know, uh, normal, normal things become ridiculous, and it's. It's um, it's very, yeah. very disillusioning. Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I, if I were him, I would be like, nobody got it, nobody understood. Yeah. Things have gotten worse. Um, it's all one big joke. But one of the things that's kind of revolutionary about him that struck me is, um, we talk about how there's very limited meaning, everything like that. But I think today we have such an ability to connect to a corporation or a large company, or whatever, through obviously Twitter, or, you know, people's email information about stuff like that is really easy to find all of these things he did were kind of radical and that people didn't really know how to contact like a big media company and get their attention he was a nobody mm. he didn't really have an agent most of the time so he was able to kind of connect with companies mm. and kind of upend the media in a way that average citizens could never really do at that time because there was no youtube celebrities there was no people who had famous blogs famous websites you know the average citizen to get media attention and not be a politician and not be a celebrity. He was one yeah. of the very few people who accomplished that. He was able to, you know, get in contact with people's publicity apartments, stage media circuses. He was able to have big, you know, public events. And he that was to able is... to get so much media attention on him, you know, and, you know, publicity, you know, and all that kind of stuff. press conferences. Is yeah. Kind of you know what I mean? So he was kind of like really radically successful in doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's probably why it got harder. Because yeah. it, it was a black swan incident for them. It was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, so just a nobody got a hold of but, the I mean, number I, that's publicly a, a, listed a and pretended to be somebody else? You're a reporter and you're just like waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah, exactly. And then he would just but be like, sort of poke the that phone rang and yeah. I gave you everything exactly. better than you yeah. could dream of. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, so one thing that stuck out to me is, is how all of these hoaxes got into the media. Mm-hmm. And something that happened, you know, recently, I, I, I mean, what he's pointing out is that largely... The media is lazy. Yes. Mm. They want a story now. And so yeah. if they can have a story now, they're not going to look into it yeah. because they want it now. Mm-hmm. And looking into it takes time, and then maybe someone else will print the it time first. Time is not now. And yeah. so what you have is all of these companies, they're getting angry at him because he duped them, but he didn't dupe them. Mm-hmm. They just didn't do their job. Yes, exactly. absolutely. And exactly. so, I mean, and there's a thing happening today, and it was pointed out by Dave Weigel and Matt Taibbi where... Yes. So right now, Lindsey Graham is like pro-Trump, totally pro-Trump. Mm-hmm. And everybody all over the media is saying, well, they must have some, some stuff on him. They must be blackmailing him. But they have no proof of that. Right. So they're just inventing an idea out of nothing because they haven't spent any time looking into it, nor have they found anything. Right. Yeah. So... Who has just, something on on Graham? Yeah, they're it, saying Trump has something. Speculation. They're saying yeah. they're speculating his news. They're saying hey, there's only way Lindsey Graham would support Trump is because the, he's blackmailing him. When it's like, if you don't have any, you're just making up yeah. a lie about a guy without researching yeah, it. Yeah, there could be a hundred reasons. Uh, he's an idiot. Yeah, 
He's playing a political game. He wants to be the center of power. Yeah. Yes. No, but there's not only like, that, also there's like these old guys that think they need to show the new guys the ropes and stuff like that. That's like an older, you know, collegiate kind of... Yes, there could be an, any number yeah. of reasons very, other than blackmail. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, like it would you wouldn't be like, fucking, oh, oh, Obama picked Biden. Biden must have dirt on Obama. Right. Like, it'd be yeah. preposterous. Right. But, but yeah. all he's doing with all of these things is he's pointing out to the media they're not doing their jobs. Yeah. And that's why they're getting angry at him because the oh, kid yeah. is scolding the parents but saying, not, you're not, not, only that, it's you're that, not it, following you know, up. It, it, they, they realize it's cheaper. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, they're embarrassed how easy they were duped, dil- so now oh, they have to yeah. attack Diligence this guy. takes time and, you know, whatever, you know, money. And, and attacking the guy is also a way of him doing their job for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because now we've got another easy story that we don't mm-hmm. have to work for. <laughs> yep. Attacking that's the guy kind of made us look was, stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of his conundrum that he reached in the 80s because he was going on so many talk shows. And he, he not like he found it to be too easy. Like, it started to be in the 80s that they he was having a little bit of a hard time getting on the news directly. But he could get on talk shows. And he mm. started to just feel like... And it was news, disposable. And news he was became like, what talk shows. Yeah, yeah, but when he was on these talk shows, it started to feel me. He's like... What am I doing at a certain point? Because he's like, I'm giving them a show and I'm pointing out that it's fake. But he's like, but I still gave them an episode of their show. But, uh, no, but you no, know, like he's still he's still but giving the, them the episode stuff. after yeah. that was about. fake anyway. Yeah, that was the thing. It was like the pointlessness. Of... And he wasn't getting paid either. And no, I mean, he could get paid as a guest, but he was almost promoting people like he did that. But then what happened is a lot of those talk shows started to kind of learn. They were like, oh, yeah, it is kind of easier if we coach people more. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We we scripted a little more. So from him, like they Jerry were Springer, tricked, Donahue, but they were also sort of more inspired to say like we should package this up a little neater. Yeah, or get more sensationalistic stories that are like this. Yeah, or, yeah. You know what I mean? I knew, or so he kind of did a little bit. I knew some yeah. people that went on like with like a real drama thing on one of those shows, the talk shows, and. And they were like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 we're here because, you know, uh, he cheated on me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, like, the producers come back and they're like, all right. But what if? What, what, if, what if you cheated on him? And they're like, what? Huh? Like, yeah, like, what if you just flip it? Like, what if you just change it? Because, yeah. like, we've had too much We of... did a couple. We already, yeah, 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 yeah. We already have some of that. Can, can you flip it? And it's like, uh... I guess <laughs> did the relationship. It'd be funny if it fixed their relationship. <laughs> yeah. I see it from like, your perspective now. The script. <laughs> I know. Huh. So, I really wasn't paying attention. To uh, you. Yeah, I guess there's whatever. Well, thanks, yeah. Ricky Lake. Thanks, Ricky. I, I mean, I, when Johnny I when you when you kill themselves. when you first mentioned that he did self self help books, uh, my initial impression was that it was like also kind of like a con, but I kind of feel like it was genuine because. All of this was a form of help, and his joking stuff was yeah, what yeah. he was doing with the big, but he actually wanted to help people, and he realized that mm-hmm. the self-help books might be the only way yeah, to do or it. Yeah, doing lectures and stuff about, to an extent, he's talking about motivation, or yeah. being a self-starter, getting your projects off the ground. He's totally qualified to do that. Yeah. He's not really yeah. formally trained in what he does for his career. He knows how to network. He knows how to do marketing. He knows how to, you know, appeal to people, communication. But not only that, whenever motivation, he starts... Motivation, how to make him, how to start a project and see it through to the end. Whenever he starts a project, he's, he's yeah. not even Alan Abel. He's an, Sometimes it's him. He's, he's an entire new person yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for a lot of pranks. And every time. He's and, a startup and, and, master. And, and he's being yeah. like, I got on yeah. TV as, uh, you know, fucking... As a guy in a hood. As yeah. this guy. Yeah, like, I'm, uh, you yeah. know. It's not so it hard. is about like yeah, a lot of it is just sort of general like motivation, how to be better, whatever it is. But it's not totally, it's not totally fake. There are elements of that when he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love the guy. 
I, yeah. I am in Absolutely. love with that story. I call him a loser. I stand by that, but I do yeah. think he was a great man. Yeah. <laughs> a great loser. Yeah. One of our Very. best. Hey, listen. Fucking Marquis de Sade. Loser. Died in a sane uh, asylum covered uh, his own shit. <laughs> loser. <laughs> great man. Hyperbert. Yeah. Uh, used to be like... Uh, Alan like, Abel. Great man. Important. <laughs> greatest loser. I, I favor the... Died in a California Raisins uh, t-shirt. Say, say the name of a famous woman from history and just say, so dead. You're like, Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> Fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt. She was so crooked when she died, they had to screw her into the ground. I love, I love, I love that that, 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 that guy was, that was talking about Eleanor Roosevelt, like who's just. Uh, you know, trying to give away like fabulous wealth. Like yeah. she's so crooked. Yeah. Like, like what? Like she has Capone money. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about, you know. psycho? I don't know. I think we're gonna call it there. Yeah, uh, that was Wonderful a great story. episode. Thank you, Laura. Laura, yeah. thank you Damn so it. much. You Half a century of hoax. Of hoax. Polit- uh, 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 societal satire. Societal yeah. satire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really Media impressive. Wonderful. Street. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm gonna say goodnight, everybody. My name is John Fahey. I'm Aaron. Peter. Map or so. Laura Crawford says goodnight. Good night, everybody. Good night, Laura.